From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm your host, Adam Schick. Being a Gator great is generally synonymous with outstanding achievements in Gainesville, but when you have world-class talent, the pinnacle of your career tends to take you even higher. Florida athletes have a long history of Olympic success, especially when it comes to the pool and the track. On this special edition of Gator Tales, we're going to focus in on two of the land-based phenoms, Jeff Demps and Grant Holloway the former an established Olympian who knows what it takes to get on the podium, and the latter a rapidly rising star ready to bask in the bright lights. Plus, FloridaGators.com senior writer Scott Carter joins us to identify the Gators to watch in Tokyo, both for the USA and other countries around the globe. Let's first visit with one of our favorite returning guests, as we've had the chance to connect with Grant Holloway multiple times over the years and chart his incredible career. At this moment, he's preparing to take Tokyo by storm, regardless of the circumstances making this a bizarre Olympic experience for both the competitors and fans around the world. When we caught up with Grant, he was literally in the middle of a training session, so it was no surprise when we asked him about his current state of mind. Um, right now, it's just I'm just continuing just to get better. Um, the biggest thing is right now is, you know, definitely keeping your mental clear. Um, but other than that, man, I mean, it's been one of those things where you just got taken in stride. So I should establish, as we're talking now, you are at the track and, and you're getting loose. I mean, is that is that what it takes? Is, it, is there a second of any day that you can waste when you're getting this close? Yeah, I mean, you can definitely, sometimes you got to have that alone time with yourself. But right now, you know, rather if it's physically, getting, getting prepared physically, getting prepared mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you know, you only got 24 hours in a day. So within those 24 hours, you got to do what's best for you to get better for, you know, whether that's work, whether that's, you know, a big game coming up. You always just got to find ways just to continue to get better. Hmm. So we spoke last year at the beginning of COVID when there was a lot of uncertainty. Uh, what was that time like when, you know, the Olympics were in limbo and no one really knew what was going to happen? Um, It sucked, to be honest. <laughs> I think. I think I went through a, a process in my life where, you know, I, I didn't want to go through that process, but it, it helped me become who I am today. Um, I think that the next big thing is, is just continuing to find, you know, find that way, find that will um, with everything going on. So, you know, we're about two weeks out from trials, about a month from the Olympics. So, you know, the biggest thing is just continue just to keep that positivity around me and continue just to continue, excuse me, continue just to get better with everything going on. So last year, once the games were postponed, how did that change everything that you were doing? How did you adjust when you were in this, you know, this plan, this build-up mode, and then that all kind of goes away? How did that change your whole mindset? Definitely. It killed my mindset. Um, I went from basically, you know, preparing something for my whole life to put it on hold for a year and then going back to preparing for it. Um, mentally, I mean, physically, I was fine. I think everybody knows physically I'm going to be okay. But mentally and emotionally, I just, you know, was not there. So, you know, having that year off, it kind of it it messed up my mental a little bit. 
But now, you know, I feel like what I did definitely made me stronger in, in all aspects of life. So how, how did you address that? I mean, recognizing the, the challenges that I had mentally, what did you do to overcome those? Mainly just, you know, reaching out and finding ways just to become a better a better athlete and also a better man. Um, I think the biggest thing is right now for me, it's just continuing to grow, you know, making sure I'm not in the same position I was a year ago. From even, even if that's 2019 to one of the best collegiate seasons that anybody ever had in track and field to, to now, you know, becoming a world record holder. You know, just continue just to grow, continue to figure out what makes me, me. You know, that's why I take all every day. I don't take it for granted. You know, I want to be better than I was yesterday, and I want to, I want to be better than I was last week, and, um, you know, better than I was a year ago. Yeah, I remember talking to, to people during the, that initial part of the shutdown. It was all about, you know, things they had to do to, to stay engaged, and if they couldn't go to the gym, what did they do to substitute it? Were you, like, putting up hurdles outside your house? Like, how did you keep doing what you needed to do at such a weird time? Yeah, I was putting up hurdles on, on this open field. Um, I got the cops calling on me because I was working out. It, you know, it's just finding ways to continue just to get better. You know, I didn't really try to stay complacent. I really didn't try to, you know, do anything else. The main thing was it's just, you know, continue just to find ways. So, you know, they closed down all the gyms and everything. So, you know, we had home, a lot of home workouts, a lot of home gyms. But um, other than that, man, it's been, uh, it's been good. What was the most creative solution you had to come up with for a home workout? I, I talked to people who were like lifting TVs. They were using household items. Like what, what was the most creative solution that, that you had to find? Uh, so uh, my assistant coach, um, Coach Nick Peterson, um, I used his car to tote the hurdles around to, you know, different, different tracks. Wow. So I, I did that and, um, you know, he, he understood everything going on. He understood what was at state. So that was my, that's my, that's my biggest home workout. I was thinking about this when, when I was writing that question, I said, how does someone even become a hurdler, right? Like what, what tells you I'm fast and I can jump over things? Like how did, how did you become a hurdler? I became a hurdler based off of the simple fact I didn't have the foot speed to keep up with you know, the, the Usain Bolts of the world. Um, mm. So I said, all right, I have, I have decent foot speed. Um, let's take that and, you know, let's go do some obstacles. And um, even when I was a little kid, I still wasn't the fastest out there. Believe it or not, I just started getting good, like probably right when I got to college. So, you know, it's all about the process, man. You just got to stay coarse and stay poised with everything going on. Hmm. When, when were you able to really hit the hit the go button again? Like, when did things get back in gear for you in terms of that, that plan and that process of getting to the Olympics in 2021? Uh, September? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. September of 2020. Started working out back at the school. Started doing everything. You know, trying to get some normalcy. Going back to a normal life. Um, was lifting at my, my, my weight, uh, strength and conditioning coach's garage. And then I ended up uh, switching, you know, changing the scenery and going to crunch fitness. But definitely September 2020. But then you go September, October, November, December. I open up and run the American record that indoor season in January. February, I break the world record. Um, March, I kind of took off. April, I ran the world leading time in 2021 at 13.07. Every month, every month I've, I've been doing something good. I've been doing something positive. So it's been really, really good. Not just for me, but also the people around me. 
you know, we had, I want to say it was a couple of years ago, we had you and, and Coach Holloway on. And one of the things we established is that uh, you may have been related at some point in time, but it, it's not the uh, it, it's not the direct connection a lot of people would probably expect when they see your name and what you guys accomplished together. Um, to what degree uh, is Coach Holloway still involved in, you know, in your career and, and helping you? Every every day, 110%. He, he's the one who, work, who writes the workouts. He's the one who watches me at practice. He's the one that's requesting the film. You know, so Coach Holloway and I have been on this journey since uh, 2015 when he first started recruiting me. Um, the main thing is right now is just continuing to build off of what we have done already. Um, don't get me wrong. Everything that we've done so far is, you know, storybook ending, storybook telling. But um, we want more. Um, I think if you ask him the same question, he'll say uh, the job's not finished until, you know, we have an Olympic gold medal around our neck. Mm. Yeah, and, and thinking, too, about – just the relationship that, that you and, and other of your former teammates still have with the Gator coaching staff because of that ability to, to train for what's next. How much does that really strengthen that bond that, that you have with, with UF? Because it's, you know, UF doesn't, it's not, you know, if you're in the NFL, it's probably in your past, but with what you do, I mean, you're still very much present with a lot of the people that are, are still working every day for the Gators. Right. So, you know, I have a real good relationship I don't want to say with all the coaches, but I'm pretty sure all the coaches either know or heard about me. Um, for example, let's use Cam Newbauer, the women's basketball coach. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm really into, you know, positivity, mental, you know, mental stuff like that. So I want to be able to, you know, talk with the other females on that team to, to, to make sure that, you know, that their mental is doing everything as well. Um, you, you think about Dan Mullen. You think about um, Tim Walton, uh, prime example, Tim Walton. He allows me to go upstairs and sit with his wife, uh, Sam, you know, during the softball game sometimes. And, you know, I have some of the best conversations with her. Um, I think it just shows the volume that, you know, UF is not just a sports school. You know, it's a family school. So um, it, it just goes everything. Everybody's connected in some some way or form. And, you know, everybody really, really enjoys each other. You mentioned softball. Uh, we had your your other half, Katie Cronister, was on with us last week, and she talked about the uh, the friendly competitions you guys have. Uh, so I'm curious, what kind of games are advantageous for you? And then in, in what spots do you say, no, 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 I'm I'm not doing that because I it's probably because that's not going to go well for me. Like, do you do you try and streamline which competitions you guys actually do? You have to, you know, you don't want to put yourself <laughs> in a situation where you're going to lose. Um, <laughs> We just kind of just, you know, if it happens, it happens. We don't really, like, say, oh, we're going to do this on this day, you know. But, um, you know, the, the friendly competitions are definitely there. You know, I'm very competitive at heart, so it, it kind of makes it even better because we can say, all right, I won, and we have the bragging rights for that hour mm-hmm. or, or two. But um, the main thing is, is, you know, we're both competitors, so rather if it's on or off the track, we're always getting better mentally. What's the most recent battle you've won and then that, that you've lost, if you can remember? I ain't lose because I'm Grant Holloway. <laughs> but the last one I remember uh, vividly, we was at Dave and Buster's and we were playing basketball connect four. I think that was probably one of the most intense five minutes of my life. I've never heard of basketball connect four. Man, go to Dave and Buster's. That sounds like fun though. Oh my God. Best, best game ever. Yeah, I could definitely, I could, I could get into that for sure. He said, I could definitely do that. Yeah. I, that's something, <laughs> something I could probably do. You know, that's, that's doable for me. Um, I don't know if I, I wouldn't do it against you, but I, you know, I would do it against someone I knew I could beat probably same way. Exactly. Never put yourself in a situation. You know, That's you're right. going to lose. That's right. You're looking at, at your, uh, at your, your social media, you're very engaged on social media and you, you're always, 
you're always quoting other athletes and, and other figures and, you know, and kind of putting that out there. Um, who, who inspires you? Who do you look up to out in the world and, and why? I think the main person that inspires me is definitely, you know, my father. He does a lot of things, not just for himself, but for, 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 other, for others in the community. So um, I think I definitely get that, that inspiration from him. But for me, it's always just, you know, expanding who I know. I think that's really the main thing that I do, the main thing that I say. Well, if it's me reaching out to, uh, like yesterday, me reaching out to RG3 because I see him doing hurdles, or if it's me reaching out to Justin Gatlin, you know, Olympic gold medalist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always just finding ways just to stay motivated. Yeah, another thing I noticed is you've got a, a lot of esports content on your feed. When, when, and how did you become interested in esports? Uh, I think that just came naturally, definitely at a young age. I was already playing video games, and then as I just got older, I think that was just something that you know I just stuck with, and um, it, it definitely it definitely worked out well. I don't know if this I I may be I may be stereotyping too much here, but I feel like a lot of people that are big in esports do so because they aren't able to do it in you know in physical sports like you can. What does that get? What does that competition in esports give you relative to competition? on the track and, and your your physical uh, your, your um, physical challenges? I think it just gives you that another source of adrenaline. Um, everything going on in the world, you always just try to, you know, feel, feel what it feels like in a game time situation. So, right, like, right now, I know I love playing Call of Duty. You know, I love being the last one alive and clutching out for the team. You know, that just shows who you are as a person and just continue just to get better. So I understand video games are a big part of what you're doing when you're not on the track. But what else? Like, what have you done to get through the last year? What are there any like TV shows? Have you gotten into movies? What is, what has been your thing for all the time that, that we've been at home and, and not able to go out like we want to? Um, definitely uh, TV shows, playing the game. I recently just started playing uh, Candy Crush. So oh wow, yeah, I've heard about that. <laughs> it definitely gets me hooked. Um, so I'm just continuing just to get better, you know, each and every day with everything going on in the world, man. But um, definitely, you know, the video game, Netflix, um, you know, you think you watch esports online, you know, just continuing just to figure out, you know, what makes you click and what you like. What what Netflix shows? What is it like? What, what's what's been doing it for you? So right now, recently, I just finished the series um, Who Killed Sarah. Uh, that one's really, really, really good. Um, a little bit of re- the reality TV. So you have um, like the circle. And everything like that but um you know really anything that i'm able to just watch and not really like have a care in the world of like what's going on you're looking at what you've been able to do throughout your career i think one of the coolest things about doing what you do is you get to go all over the world right now it's not just going to tokyo but you guys have world championships and you, you go everywhere i'm right. curious in, in all of your travels uh what countries places have been the most interesting to you uh, that you've been able to see throughout your, your journey? Hands down, best best place I've been is Budapest, Hungary. Um, oh, the, why is that? The, hospi- the hospitality, the, 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 the track meet, the fans, the meet director, um, the weight room, the village that they put us in, everything is uh, fantastic. So um, every year I always want to go back to that place just because it's just amazing in, 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 in all aspects of life. Hmm. Are there any places you haven't been that, that you want to go or that you're hoping to, to find in the future? Yeah, definitely. Um, Rome. That's um, one of my go-tos. I've been saying I want to go to Rome ever since my dad told me at a very, very young age. Um, so Rome has been the, 
the go-to place. So I'm just waiting on my, my, my time. I'm waiting on my moment, and then um, we'll be able to get there. I was thinking about this because I saw Cool Runnings was on the other day, and I was thinking this is a good question to ask Olympians in the summer. If you were only able to compete in the Winter Olympics, what would your sport be? Uh, sit at home. <laughs> I, uh, I couldn't do none of those other sports, man. May, not speed skating, maybe something like that. Um, nope, I'm hurt myself. <laughs> I was just, I was just hanging out with a couple of guys. And for those who don't know, I used to play football. Mm. They were all playing football. And they were out there running routes. So I was like, oh, let me see if I could do it. I tried to do like a little, little uh, shake, shake a bigger, you know, like some, like some Popeye's chicken. And I hurt, I, I felt like I hurt my back. So I can't <laughs> do nothing but go over these hurdles now. So, you know, that's always, that's always the end goal. Stay in your lane, right? Literally and figuratively, stay in your lane. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, bringing things back to, to the Olympics and, and what's here on the horizon for you. Um, how are you feeling about this today? I mean, this is going to be obviously a different kind of experience. Um, but as you think through that, I'm sure it goes, it's in your mind when you're you know going to the track every day, like you are now, what, what do you, what do you think about it at this moment? Uh, just the preparation, like you said, you know, I, I put in the hard work and I was just trying to do the, the fine tuning and sharpening of the knives. So, um, you know, the biggest thing is right now is just to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm there physically and mentally. Um, and then afterwards, We'll figure out what we need to do next to, you know, get us ready for that that next stage. Yeah, it's going to be an abnormal Olympics. Everybody knows that, but I'm curious which part of the the athlete experience are you most looking forward to? Um, really, just get around to other athletes. You know, just traveling and just going to the Olympics. Um, the biggest thing is is just um, really finding out, you know, what what life is really about. You know, I know my purpose is not to be a hurdler. I know my purpose is not to be um, a track and field athlete, but my purpose is really just to go out and, and change the world and just spread the positivity. You know, rather if you're with me for five minutes or five hours, as long as you have a smile on your face within that, that, that time frame, I know I'm able to uh, do my job. There's a lot of former Gators that are going to be, uh, you know, competing in Tokyo as well. Which of your, your Gator teammates are you most excited to, to be with and to share that journey? Uh, definitely, um, Caleb Dressel is, is, is high up there. Um, you got a couple of my training partners here at the University of Florida, like Howard Jefferson. But um, you know, definitely for what Caleb has done on USA um, USA swimming, I think it's going to be a big, 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 big Olympics for him. As you get ready for this, there, there's a lot that comes with the Olympics, especially if you're considered a favorite like you are. W- what's happening now in terms of you know the sponsorships and all? W- when does all of that stuff come into play, or is that not happened just yet? Uh, it, it'll come into play, but um, I'm not able to disclose that information right okay. now. Okay, <laughs> but but there are things happening, correct? Yes, there's gonna be a, a lot of things happening. Um, yeah. My main sponsor, Adidas, is already working hard for for a lot of a lot of pushing and shoving of the sport. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they what they what they're able to do after after trials. I know some soft drink companies, and then maybe a, a fast food company might be interested. But we'll leave it at that. I'm, I'm just I'm just projecting. I'm putting it out there in the world. I'm just putting it out there. Energy, putting the energy out there. That's right. That's right. Um, a couple final things for you. You are a supremely confident guy. I think everybody knows that. What are what are your expectations for yourself? What does success look like in Tokyo? Uh, win. Uh, it's a it's a simple it's a simple word. It's a simple thing. What 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 everybody is. It doesn't matter if you run fast. It doesn't matter if you run slow. As long as you win, whatever race you're in, whatever lane you win, then that's the that's the recipe for disaster. 
where do those expectations come from? Is it all internal for you or is it also fueled by, by external forces as well? Uh, all internal. You know, I only focus on me, myself, and I, um, my lane, my space, my 10 hurdles, my, my pair of blocks. Um, the biggest thing is, is just really figuring out, you know, what makes you click as an individual. So um, other than that, man, I, I, I'm, 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 I feel like I'm ready. I feel like I'm prepared. I think right now I'm just sharpening those knives a little bit uh, just to make sure everything works out well. Final question for you. I, I would say if, but I think you would you would say when you win medals. Um, have you thought about where you're going to put them? What, what are you going to do with these medals once you, you start collecting these guys? <laughs> uh, it all depends on what my pop wants to do. You know, he has a, he has a nice little Hall of Fame show of, of, of me and my brother at home. So he might get first dibs on it. Um, he might not. So it all depends on what, what happens next. But you won't put it in the sock drawer, right? I've heard people put them in the sock drawer. It's like, why would you go to all this trouble and put it in the sock drawer? That, that's, exactly. that's a waste. You, know, you, don't, you don't want to do that. that. That one's bad. That one's bad. Well, Grant, thank you so much for your time. We'll let you, I know you're, you're in your warm-up now. We'll let you get back to going full speed. And uh, I think Gator Nation is obviously so excited for you. We're all rooting for you in Tokyo here in, uh, in what is just a matter of weeks at this point. And I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you for, for all your hospitality. Thank you for, you know, the, the trust and the believing in me. Um, my hat goes off to you and, and, and Gator Nation itself. While Grant Holloway and Caleb Dressler are the biggest threats to become stars in Tokyo, they're far from the only Gators looking to make their mark on the international stage. We enlisted Scott Carter to get us up to speed on all of the Gators to watch, of course starting with those two headline grabbers from the track and the pool. Sure, you said it yourself, Adam. I mean, these two guys are being billed as two of the real stars for the U.S. Olympic team, not just the Florida contingent there. We're talking about the U.S. team, and, and really on the international stage, they are right now the best at what they do. Uh, let's start with uh, Mr. Holloway, who you, you, I know you've talked to uh, about, you know, this upcoming experience. I mean, this guy is considered, I think, the elite hurdler right now in the world. Uh, he didn't disappoint at the U.S. Olympic trials. And he, uh, you know, we saw him kind of evolve at Florida uh, from this guy who got here who was quite frankly more known at the time, I think by the Florida fan base, at least as a, a guy who was a really good football player uh, up North where he grew up and decided not to play football, but joined Mike Holloway in the track program. And all he does is go out and basically rewrites the uh, record books and, and the hurdle events. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, winning that national title back in what, 2019, I was there and, uh, I just remember kind of at that event, it almost had a mini Olympic feel because you knew Grant was the star of that event and everyone was just waiting to see what he, he would do. And he went out and uh, I'm pretty sure uh, beat the NCAA record at the time. And, and since then he's, uh, you know, he's remained here in Gainesville, uh, still trains here and has gone around the world at a lot of international events since then and has really built toward Tokyo. And, you know, we all know that was supposed to happen last year. He's had to wait an extra year. Uh, but, you know, you still see him 
around campus. You still see him really engaged with Gator fans. It's cool to see it. It's, it's, it, he's got that effect, you know, just infectious personality that it's hard to not root for him. And I'm looking forward to see what he does. And, and then you mentioned Caleb Dressel. I mean, Caleb's been on the, the Olympic stage uh, in Rio, uh, won a relay medal, but now he's the face of the American swimming team. And, you know, he's in the, uh, those, those premier sprint events. And that, that's his, that's his uh, ticket to stardom. And, and he's a, a world record holder, American record holder. I think people are looking at him. You know, this he's only 24 years old going into these games. So people are looking at him. Is this the next Michael Phelps for the U.S.? And, and certainly uh, he's already made a, a strong claim to that. Um, you know, we'll see. But uh, he's going in as the favorite. It's going to be a surprise if he if he doesn't come back with some some gold in, in Tokyo and. And you have these two guys, uh, Adam, you know, it just kind of plays into the that Gator Nation theme that, you know, we hear about if you follow the program closely. And it's true. I mean, these guys are as big of a celebrities or performers in what they do as anyone in the world. Now, here on campus, they're just Grant Holloway and Caleb Gressel, kind, <laughs> right. of, kind of guys that you see and you know, you talk to and uh, you just kind of admire what they do. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've left here or driven for lunch and I've seen Grant out there working out and thinking to myself, man, he spends his lunch probably the way I should spend my lunch for. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's cool to see. I mean, that's just a tribute to really the coaches like Mike Holloway and, and Greg Troy and Anthony Nesty and getting these guys to believe and come into Florida that they can achieve their dreams. And that's Olympic dreams. And, uh, you know, you look at the Florida Gators over the decades. I mean, these aren't the first guys to, to be on this stage and have a chance to win gold. And I doubt they're going to be the last, but it, they're certainly the guys right now who are the stars of, in that world uh, in what they do. Yeah, and this is the moment for, for those sports, right? They only get really one chance to shine every four years where the world is watching. And so naturally, a lot of the individual athletes are going to be from swimming and diving, from track and field. So if we go down a level, those are the obvious gold medal contenders, arguably gold medal favorites. What other Gators are in the mix in some of those events that people probably haven't heard of if they only casually follow the program? Well, I think they've certainly heard of him, uh, you know, Will Clay, because he's a two-time silver medalist in, in the uh, the triple jump. And what makes this amazing to me is the guy who's the gold medalist the past two Olympics is Christian Taylor, his former teammate at Florida. And I remember looking back, one of my, one of my first stories I did on track and field in this job back in 2011 or so, probably. I remember going over there and talking to Christian Taylor and Will Clay, and there was another kid in the mix, Omar Craddock at the time. And these three guys were like number one, two, and three in NCAA at the time of their event. And, you know, they all talking about the Olympic dream. And, and I'm thinking, you know, I've written a lot of those stories and you, I mean, that's how they have to think, but inside you weren't, okay, I mean, it's going to be tough for them, but they're in a good place. Maybe they can do it one day. I remember sitting there watching the 2012 games about a year later in London, and and there's Christian Taylor winning gold, and Will Clay 
winning silver at the Olympics. And I'm thinking, man, is, I just remember talking to those two guys over at the track one afternoon, right. just casually. And it's just, those are the kind of stories you get and we'll play, you know, this is his third Olympics now. Uh, so without Christian Taylor in the mix, he would have been in the mix, but he recently blew out his Achilles uh, tendon training. So he's, he's unfortunately uh, not able to compete, but, Will Clay is going to there as one of the favorites. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, I guess, getting up there to be an Olympian now. I'm guessing he's in his early 30s, probably 31 or so. Uh, but he's one of the names to watch. And, you know, uh, there's also the stories, Adam, that really what makes the Olympics so special to me is, like, I did a, uh, something on Natalie Hines, a former swimmer, this week. And, you know, Natalie was here really good uh, swimmer at Florida, tried to make the Olympics in 2016, did not make the team. Uh, you know, graduated, decided, you know what, I'm going to give up swimming. I'm kind of going to look to do other stuff. Got a job up in, uh, in Atlanta. Then the 2018 World Championships comes around and she sees all these competitors that she knows and they're, they're, they're having a great time and it kind of re- re-sparked her interest in swimming. So she moved over to Athens and trains with a, a group of swimmers up at the University of Georgia, like we have here at Florida in Dressel and Ryan Lochte and all those guys. Well, she's up there and she's going to the Olympics as a member of the relay, the four by 100 relay. And, uh, you know, so it, those stories, I mean, it's, it's going to be her only Olympic shot, you know, probably, and she's probably not going to, come back just from what I've been reading with them a medal but you know to be able to go there and compete on that stage that's what makes it that what makes it fun to be in such a special event and you got some names in team sports that we've certainly heard like softball you know you've got three former Gator softball players Michelle Moultrie, Aubrey Monroe and Kelsey Stewart they're on the U.S. national team softball is back in the Olympics now for the first time since 2008 in Beijing so it's interesting that these these young women, you know, that that's their dream. Michelle Moultrie's 31 years old. Again, she's been playing for Team USA for nine years. And finally, the Olympics comes around. She has to wait an extra year, but she still she still uh, has that shot. And uh, so they'll be back over in Tokyo uh, competing for gold. And I think the Olympics is not on the 2024 Paris schedule. Yeah. So, again, this is probably their only chance for – Olympic uh, glory and baseball. Uh, Mark Colasavari, the former catcher, he was the backup catcher to Mike Rivera on the 2017 national championship team. He's a leading candidate to be the starting catcher for the U.S. team. He's been playing in all the all the tournaments leading up to the Olympics. Uh, again, I, I didn't see that one coming, but he's in the Reds minor league system and uh, gets this opportunity. And again, uh, you know, baseball is back over in the Olympics and. Uh, it's, there's a lot of stories, and you know, you know how this works out. And we'll be watching this in July, and I don't know if Bob Costas is he still doing the Olympics? No, okay, yeah, Costas Costas got off the Olympic beat. Okay, well, whoever it is, how many times? Tariko, it's all about Tariko now. Mike Tariko, well, he'll be sharing these stories, and how many times over the years have we have we seen Bob Costas doing the same? You're like, man, I've never heard of this person, but <laughs> this is a heck, this is a heck of a story, and. Uh, that's what the Olympics is more about to me than anything. It's just people chasing the dream uh, and not giving up. I, I wrote a little something on a, a former 
another former cross-country distance runner, Genevieve Lacaze Grexon. Mm-hmm. Now she's known as Genevieve Grexon. She married another runner. She's from Australia, came to UF, went to school here, was a co-SEC runner of the year back in 2012, uh, went back home to Australia after college. But now she's traveled the world running really for the last decade. And this is her third Olympics. And again, she said, hey, my time's running out. I know this might be my last. So I don't want to stop without one more shot. And, you know, those, those are the stories that just pile up for the Olympic Games. And then one final note, too, is that, you know, as we naturally focus on all these Gators that are with Team USA, uh, we do like to talk about how the Gator Nation is everywhere. And that means international as well. There's a lot of Gators that are competing for other countries that wouldn't probably come to mind immediately when you're thinking about the Gators of a Team USA. But nonetheless, the, the medals still count the same if you win them for other countries, too. That's right. I mean, that's the, that's what happens to the program like Florida. You you draw international students. And like I just mentioned, Genevieve Lacaze or uh, Giannis David, you know, who's competing for her country. She was one of the stars at the 2019 NCAA track and filled with with Grant Holloway. I mean, they have a great friendship and train together. So she's going to be competing for, uh, I think, Jamaica. And then Enzo Martinez Scarpe, another swimmer. I did something on this week. He's he's going to be competing for Uruguay in the 53. He trains here with the Gator Swim Club with, with Caleb Dressel. And Caleb Dressel in the same event, you know, Caleb Dressel is going to be right there on the medal stand most likely. Uh, Enzo is not, but yet he gets to go to Olympics and get the same experience and compete for his country. I mean, what a what a dream! You know, he's twenty six years old. Uh, again, he's been doing this, uh, chasing this for a long time. So, the Gators got plenty of those stories, Adam. Uh, you'll hear more about them. You can read more about them on FloridaGators.com in the before in the roundup before the Olympics, and then of course we'll. We'll see how they unfold over there. And uh, there's always a story that just comes out of nowhere, the Olympics. That's what, again, that's why, that's what keeps me interested more than anything. It's not so much seeing those great competitions and seeing the best in the world go head to head. I'm more interested really in the almost uh, the overcoming the odds or long shot stories. Yeah. Well, there's going to be no shortage of those. And we know that you'll be covering them. So we encourage everybody to follow Gators Scott. Uh, and check out all of this content on floydgators.com. Literally every day, uh, another feature on a Gator in the Olympics. And also, this is not a, a handle we usually promote. Um, make sure to follow Gators Olympics. That is the official Gator Twitter handle. It's going to have all the news about these Olympic events and how Gators are doing. So we encourage you to stay on top of it. Uh, Scott, hope you enjoy the games. And thank you for, for giving us the, the debrief here. Yeah, Adam, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. And I'm, I'm going to be in the uh, Olympics for burger eating one day, hopefully. <laughs> your, time, <laughs> your time is yet to come, but it doesn't mean that it's run out. All right. I keep the dream alive, man. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about Gator greats and speed, you likely conjure visions of Jeff Demps blazing by any and everyone in his path back in 2008 when he helped the Gators win their second national title in a three-year span. What you may not know is that he also had an incredible career as a world-class sprinter. 
which led to the high of being on the podium for the U.S. in 2012, followed by the low of losing his medal due to a teammate who later tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. It's been a crazy adventure for Jeff Demps, and we wanted to get the whole story when we spoke to him for our Gator Grade series on the 2008 National Championship team, The Promise Fulfilled. If you missed that special series, we encourage you to go back in your feed and relive those incredible memories, but not until after you've heard him tell his story here today. Yeah, um, well, so originally, you know, from uh, Winter Garden, Florida, um, you know, grew up with my mom and my dad, uh, two brothers, two sisters. I have a younger brother and an older brother and uh, two older sisters on my uh, father's side. And, uh, you know, well, I kind of started football because, you know, I just wanted to get the uniform, actually. I didn't even like the game. Really? You know, my, my, yeah, my cousins uh, played, but I didn't care for it. I went to the games with my grandma, my grandmother uh, on the Saturday uh, evenings and afternoons, but I just liked the uniform, man. So <laughs> that, that's that's originally how I got started playing football. Wait, which uniform? Was it a specific team that you wanted? Oh uh, yeah, I, I played for uh, the West Orange Wildcats. So you were you were in this. This wasn't like you wanted NFL jerseys. You wanted a Pop Warner jersey. No, yeah, I wanted a Pop Warner jersey. Oh man. wow, well, yeah, What yeah. was this jersey like? I I didn't know that Pop Warner jerseys were that cool. It it was you know it's so funny man. It was similar to a Gators jersey. You know we were, we were orange and blue. You know with the white. You know you know everything has that white jersey. But yeah, we were you know orange and blue. The, but you know blue helmets, orange face mask. The jersey was. I think at that time it was uh I wanted the white one more than I wanted the blue. So it was the white <laughs> jersey with the blue number with the you know the orange outline. It was it was crazy, man. But you know, I, it was something about that jersey that I, I had to get it, man. So how did you go about getting that jersey? How did you start playing? How did you get into it? Yeah, um, well, I you know, I spoke to my, my parents and I told my dad I wanted to play. And um it's it's funny, right? Because to this day, the story is like I, you know, my first my first uh, actual coach in Part One, or you know, he came. Him and my dad were, are you know really good friends to this day. So he came over to the house one day, and uh, he was coaching. I think the Mighty Might team. And my dad mentioned to him, like, hey, you know, Jeff wants to play. And he was like, oh well, you know, he's not old enough. He's gonna have to play flag. Well, my I just wanted the I wanted the tackle jersey. So I was like, if I'm playing flag, you know, I don't want to play. <laughs> but to this day, it's like, oh well, this kid is tough. You know what I mean? He don't want to play flag. He was right. He can't right, play right. tackle football. <laughs> then he's not gonna play. So it's like, oh, this is a tough kid. But the whole time, I just wanted the jersey. So that's the reason I didn't want to play flag. So at this point. Did you know you were fast? I mean, when I say it out loud, it's a weird question to ask somebody. But when you're known for when that's, you know, when that's your gift, how did you discover that you were really, really fast? And that could be obviously a, a big attribute to you. Um, well, I was fast in the neighborhood, you know, and then, you know, I used to get in trouble with my mom and she used to chase me around the neighborhood. <laughs> And I swear, like, I will, you know, at least she'll chase me for at least, like, 100 yards and, you know, <laughs> all our sprint. And I know, you know, she was fast in her day. So, you know, she couldn't catch me. So I knew I was fast and I would have street races, you know, with my friends in the neighborhood and, you know, <laughs> things like that. But as far as, like, real speed, I, I didn't really know about it until, you know, I, I got in football. And I think I raced one of the one of the fast guys on the team and, you know, he maybe beat me by a step or so. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started, you know, to understand that I had a little bit of speed. And, you know, at that age, you know, around, you know, whatever Mighty Might was, maybe 
eight, maybe anywhere from seven to ten, I would say. So okay, so football came before track. Yeah, I didn't I didn't start track until um like real track until almost my like my eleventh grade year. Oh wow. I didn't take track series until then. You know, it's kinda of the stay in shape. So I didn't get introduced to real track and field until like my junior year of high school. Wow. Yeah. So I track wasn't even anything. I didn't even know the only thing I knew about track was, you know, Michael Johnson. Right, because right, the gold right. shoes, you know, everybody knew that, right? Right. I mean, I see the focus here. It's got you got to you got to play football for the jerseys. You got to run for the shoes. Yeah, you got to run for the shoe. Is hey, it's all about it's all about the cloth. Man. It's all about the look. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's all, it's all about that look. Um, yeah. So okay, so when when you started playing football and when you got into it, I mean, was it was it what you thought it was going to be? Did you immediately find a position? Did you feel like oh, I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be a running back or like how did you sort of find your place within football? Um, I will, you know, like I said, I was fast, you know, and the coaches noticed it early, but I was tough, but I was still a little timid, you know, to, to take that hit. So, you know, they kind of, they threw me at, uh, at free safety to start out. So I was a defensive guy. Hmm. And, um, but even before that, like say, okay, I, you know, I, I got on the team with the, the mighty mice. Um, and I remember this, this guy, man, I think his name was, uh, Chris Lowry or something like that. Right. And he was a big kid. And he was like, "Man, I can't wait to wait for us to get past because I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock everybody out, right?" And I was so <laughs> I was terrified, man. Like I couldn't even sleep, man. Like, and you know, we get say we get past on that Friday, and then you know, I got that Saturday and that Sunday to just think about this kid. Just whoever gets in his way, he's just gonna destroy. Right. So that's you know, like just off the bat, that kind of messed with me a little bit. So when I started to play, you know, I was kind of hesitant. And you know, in the neighborhood, I was tough, but you know, I ain't never really had no no real contact in football. So you know, they put me at safety, and then you know, like I said, I can make the tackle, and I can you know, I can break, I can give a nice shot. But it was just me initiating it was the the tough part. Mm-hmm. So I was just you know, they put me at safety, and then I played a little special teams now every now and then. So when did when did you start getting recruited heavily? What do you remember about that process and and how Florida stood out to you? Um, I mean, man, I wasn't even a Florida fan. Really? You know? Sorry, sorry to the Gator Nation. You know, I apologize, <laughs> but I was a Seminole man, like diehard Seminole. Wow. Fan. And it wasn't. I didn't even know. You know, my like I said, my cousins played earlier before I did. You know, so one day, uh, my older cousin comes in to my grandma's house and he's like, "Who you like?" the Gators or the Seminoles and I don't know you know who, uh, who from who and I just say the Seminoles like, oh, you like the Seminoles I like the Gators and from from then on you know since you know we like I said like eight years old you know I was like oh well I'm that hard Seminole everybody else is the Gators so I was like the only Seminoles in my in my uh, family for a while and we know me and my cousin would fight during the games like real deal fight so I didn't even like Florida. You know, I was a big time Seminole guy. And then, uh, so when the recruiting process started, you know, I, the, uh, the, uh, Florida State wasn't even, uh, recruiting me heavy, you know, as a running back. Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted me to come in and, you know, track and field, of course, heavy. And, uh, football, they say I was, uh, I think it was Jimbo Fisher who said I was too small to play running back. Mm-hmm. But, um, their running back, I forget his name. The running back coach really wanted me in, but, you know, I wasn't by that time I was, you know, I was already disconnected. I think I took an unofficial there. You know, and I wasn't even treated I don't think I was treated right for the the you know, the type of fan I was. I'm like, mm-hmm. man, you know, when I actually get a chance to go on the campus, go to a game, I you know, I expected something right, right, different. Right. And I, I didn't get that. 
and uh you know when when urban came down urban was hot you know timmy was there percy was there mm-hmm. spikes all those guys and of course i knew of it just because you know the the love of the game i had and um you know he came he came to to south lake high school which you know in the middle of nowhere and everybody was going nuts man like oh man urban Meyer's here <laughs> yeah it was crazy and then we just built it was actually my year and then and mullen was uh my recruiters mm. so you know, we just built that that relationship, man, and that connection. Then, you know, the rest is history. That's right. So, it's in terms of track. So, were you also at that point talking to Mouse, or did you only start talking to him after you were in for football? Yeah, I didn't even speak to Mouse. Like, or when, like during the recruiting process, really? I didn't even. I, track wasn't even a priority at that point. You know, oh. I was at because I was a three, maybe a three star, right, in the, on the football field. But like I said, I started doing track to stay in shape for football, and then I actually got with a, a real track and field trainer, and then my time started to like you know uh, to elevate. And but at, still, I was the uh, football guy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But I was just fast, so the track actually helped me. You know, in the recruiting process as well. And then you know, I started getting offers from the track side, but I was just stuck on football. Right. You know what I mean? So when I was talking to Florida, you know, of course, you know, because my 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 track and field trainer, the one that I said, I, you know, I got introduced to, he actually went to Florida, so I knew somewhat of the history of the the Gator track and field uh, side. So I knew of how how Holloway, but you know I didn't meet him until I went to my official visit to Florida. I went through the football recruitment and then I went to track and field. You know, kind of as an unofficial, right? Which you know, if I came to Florida, of course they knew I was going to be running track. Mm-hmm. So and Holloway knew that. So we you know we had spoke about it, and I'm I'm pretty sure he was in touch with Dennis throughout the process as well. So it's funny because you 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 said before that it was like football was what you focused on track was just the thing that came with it so then to flip that around after college you decide to focus on track and football is sort of secondary so i'm just curious how you made that decision as it relates to especially to 2012 and and going to the olympics i mean for me like i said i was all i knew was football man uh track was just kind of like the you know my downtime i got to run i got to run and have fun with it because it just naturally that's what i can do and then i just you know fortunately i had success with it and but you know throughout the years you know with football it's like i I was getting injured you know it became more of like uh i was consumed with the game man and it's like i started to lose the passion for it so i I was kind of fading out of the game so i wasn't even gonna come back my senior year i was just gonna focus strictly on track oh wow yeah, I was gonna. Just, I was done. But you know, when Muschamp came and, and Charlie Wise and you know, you know, calls and meetings and you know, throughout the summer, you know, they got me to come back and play. But you know, I was I was locked in because if I'm there, then you know, of course I'm gonna be locked in. But the passion was, you know, like I said, the passion wasn't there like it was before. Like you know, growing up. So, uh, you know, finishing the year, I was like, you know, okay, I'm done with football. You know, I'm just focusing on track, and then. Uh, you know, got a chance to, you know, compete in the um, summer games, you know, which was amazing. And then, so I wanted to, you know, to stick with, with track. Mm-hmm. But um, I ended up going back and playing. I, like I said, I didn't want to go back and play in the, in the league. The agent that I was with, you know, he just, he put in a, you know, I forget the name of the paperwork, but he put the paperwork in for me to go or for teams to contact me and let them know that, you know, I was available. I was mm-hmm. gonna play play in that football year, 
and you know i didn't even know it <laughs> you know we had to, we had a talk and i was in i think i was in monaco yeah i was in monaco man oh, wow and he was like hey man you know all these teams are or contact. I mean, they want to know what you want to do. I said, well, I'm not playing. You know, I'm going to focus on track. And he's like, are you sure you you might need to keep your options open? And I was like, oh, well, we'll think about it. We'll talk about it when I get back. <laughs> and, you know, when I got back, man, I guess he already filed the paperwork. <laughs> and, you know, all these teams were contacting him. So it was, it was cool because, you know, of course, you know, you get the, the, the NFL teams contacting you. You know, of course, that's a good feeling, man. Mm-hmm. It's still, you know, even though the passion wasn't there, it still was a dream, you know what I mean? Like, sure. dang, you know, to get to the NFL one day. So to have the teams contact and then me having a choice of where I actually wanted to go, even though, you know, it would be free agency, but it's like, okay, well, I actually got to pick where I wanted to go. Right. You know, and then I can't, when I came back from uh, the games, you know, we sat, me and my agent sat down, and he's like, oh, do you want to play? I'm like, I'm not fully bought in, but I'll play. You know, I got a lot of pressure from everybody, man, to play. Right. My parents, my coaches, they just want to see me play. So you know, I did what they wanted me to do, you know. So I, you know, I picked New England, ended up going to New England. But you know, I got to New England, had a uh, my first pre, you know, and I was fresh off the track, man. So mm-hmm. when I got there, Bill threw me right in. You know, he threw me right in the first game. The first, well, my first uh, preseason game was against Tampa. You know, I thought I almost ran the punt back. Almost, I think I had a run for maybe forty. 40, 50 yards, maybe, I don't know. And, you know, he's like, man, you know, just keep pushing, man. You can, you know, you can be good in this league. Mm-hmm. Even though I wasn't even fully locked in, you know, I'm like, I'm fresh off the track. That's where I wanted to be. But, you know, I'm like, man, I can do it if I really want to, if I put my mind to it and mm-hmm. locked in, I can do it. And then the next game, like, I think it was two minutes left when uh, we were playing the Giants, man. And then I caught a punt, and I was going out of bounds, took a hit, and uh, and so and I was spraining my MCL, mm. and they placed me on IR because I was already late. So they wanted me to kind of learn the playbook too. Right. So they just placed me on IR. And then while I was down, man, I had you know the game was slowly fading away. So you know I'm like, man, I'm done with it. When I get back, I'm gonna just go back to track and field. Mm. So you know that's what I did. I, as soon as I got back of the season, I called uh, Bill like, hey man. I don't think I'm going to play next season. You know, I want to run track. And he's like, uh, I don't think you can do that, Jeff. I said, well, if I can't do both, then I'm going to just do track. <laughs> and then he was like, uh, he was like, okay, well, we're going to figure it out. I'm going to call you back, and I'm going to let you know. And I'm still waiting on that call. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, I'm going to call you back and let you know. So I ended up going back to the track. And what's that? It was thir- 2013. I was I was running the season, and then I think they end up trading me to Tampa. While I was on, the, while I was at the track meet, you know, everybody texting me. At that, at that time, I had a BlackBerry, you know, and everybody texting, congratulating, mm-hmm. hey man, congrats. I'm like, I ain't even did nothing. What's going on? Like, <laughs> oh well, you know, we see you got uh, traded to Tampa, right? And that's how you know they traded me to Tampa to get uh, Legarrette Blunt. That's how B. F. Blunt got to New England. And right after that, you know, my agent called me, told me what happened. And then the GM for Tampa called me and was like, hey, Jeff, you know, we know you run the track, but we hold your rights. You know, we just, you know, picked up your contract. We hold your rights. So if you ever come back to football, you will play for the Buccaneers. I was like, yeah, I understand, you know, but I'm running the track right now. And he's like, yeah, we understand. So, you know, we just let you know, keep us in the loop, keep us posted on everything. Like, okay. So I finished, out, I finished out the year. And, you know, I won that year was like a world championship year for the track. 
and I didn't make the team in the 100. Right after, you know, they found that out, they were blowing me up. Like, Jeff, man, you know, just come to come down to Tampa for two weeks. And if you like it, stay. If you don't, then take off. And I knew if, if I went to Tampa, I wasn't going to leave because that's how I was with New England. I went up. I didn't even have I didn't even have a suitcase in New England. Really? And yeah, like I just went up there. I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm going just for a tryout, and then I come home. They'll make the decision. Then I come back up. Hmm. Once I flew up to New England, I did a workout, and then they said, "Well, we keep you." And then that was it. You know, luckily they let me come home on that weekend to get my thing. But <laughs> I too knew, close. <laughs> yeah, like, like man, let me at least get some a shirt and, and some pants or something, man. But so I know if I got the temple. I wasn't going to leave. And that's what happened. You know, and I was in Russia. I was in Moscow, man. Well, you're yeah. all over the place. What? Yeah, I was all over the place. I was traveling, man, with the track. So my agent called, like, hey, man, Mark Dominant, they said they'll come, they'll pick you up, man, from Russia and fly you down. I said, what? No way, man. I'm not <laughs> doing that. So I was like, I'll be home, man. And when I get home, we can talk. So when I got home, I'm comfortable. I know I didn't make the team, but they still brought me over to Russia, you know, for the relay. So I'm comfortable. I'm good. I'm like, man, yeah, I'm, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm happy. You know, I'm on the track. You know, I'm doing good. I got my contract, everything. And then, you know, everybody was calling me. Hey, Jeff, man, you got to do this, man. You need to go play football. Like I said, I was to me, I, I didn't follow my heart. You know, for me, following mm-hmm. my heart was being on the track. Because like I said, I had lost the passion for the game, man. And then, you know, when I got back, my mom, my dad. Well, not, I won't say my mom. I said most of my dad, you know, he just, you know, he, he loved the game and he understood how I felt about the game. But, like, you know, at that point, the passion was gone, man. Like, all my coaches, my ex-teammates called my age up, man, you know, I think you should go play. And I end up I went, I went, up going to Tampa, man, for those supposedly two weeks, and I, I stayed. And, like I said, I was, you know, for, and, again, it was maybe a week. I was a week from coming from Russia. So I was still in track shape. And mm-hmm. then when I got there, you know, they I was practicing. And those guys were just – they just excited to see me run, man. Like, in practice, they were – you know, I was with the scout team at first. And everybody was just like, man, we never seen this kind of speed. Like, it was just going crazy. I think I had, like, a reverse on the scout team. And Darrell Reeves tried to touch me or something, uh, reach out and grab me. And, like, he he wasn't even close. And everybody, like, went crazy, man. <laughs> You left his island, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I left his island, man, right? <laughs> I left his island. So it was like a, maybe a couple weeks later, and then uh, Greg Shiano was like, man, you know, he called me in like, Jeff, we're going to activate you this week. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. So he activated me. I play against the Cardinals. And, you know, I have a, a couple good runs or catch or whatnot. And then that following week, they put in like a whole package for me, man. Now, mind you, I'm only, at this point, I'm maybe – close to a month from being removed from track right but they put in the whole package for me just you know just because i guess they see the potential or whatnot right right so they put in the whole package and that week leading up to the game was was uh getting ready for philly and that week leading up to the game like i'm just flying throughout practice right i'm just you know this, this is how we practice at florida so this is all i know right 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 like and uh you know one of the guys called me over like one of the older guys called me over like jeff man he was like, you all right? I was like, yeah, I'm good. He's like, man, you need to slow down. They running you too much. I said, man, I'm good. This is all I know. Right. And then one of the coaches called me over like, Jeff, man, you need to slow down, man. They're going to kill you out here. But, you know, I'm good, man. I'm in shape, everything. But I'm in track shape. Right, So right. get into the game, man. 
it was a freak play. I caught a screen pass out of the backfield, and I didn't even get touched. As soon as I turned, like, my groin and my lower abdomen just snapped. Mm. I was supposed to come back in, like, six to eight weeks, but uh, Mark Dumnick was out at the practice field one day, and I was doing my rehab, and I guess he didn't like the way I was looking. You know, he felt like I probably needed to be further along, and, you know, they, they decided to put me on IR. And, you know, it killed that season. You know, every time I got hurt, man, I was losing the passion for the right, game. Right. So after that, I'm like, ah, okay, I had a decision to make. So then, you know, the end of the year comes and, you know, we're doing our rounds with the coaches. And then, you know, they're telling me, Jeff, man, you need to stay in shape. You need to, you know, work on catching punts, man. You can be a great player. Blase, blase. And as soon as I get done with my meeting with my running backs coach, and I'm walking out to the locker rooms, and then you know, I guess it comes on Sports Center that uh, Greg Shiano has been fired, right? Mm, yeah, <laughs> like right. Soon Whoops. as I leave the meeting, yeah, like soon as I walk out the door, man, like it's just breaking news, like oh, the Buccaneers fired Greg Shiano. So I'm like, oh man, you know, what am I gonna do now? That you guys just telling me I need to prepare. And then the whole coaching staff get wiped, gets wiped out. Right. And then they bring in Lovey. And Lovey calls me. I'm at the track when Lovey calls. Like, hey, Jeff, man, I think you should, you know, stake the football. I think you can be a great player in this league. I think you should just, you know, lock down the focus and come to camp. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to give it a shot. So I, I, the first time, like, you know, I get ready for camp. I come in, you know, I think I have a, a really good camp and they end up putting me on practice squad. I was devastated, man. Mm. I was like, ah, you know, so Lovey put me on practice squad. And, that, you know, the first couple of weeks I was, I was down, man. You know, I didn't even feel like practicing. I'm like, man, I don't even have the passion for the game. I, I really want to be running, but, you know, I decided to lock in and then I get on practice squad and then uh, I'm not playing. I'm like, I can be running. And then, long story short, they end up releasing me, man. And I went to Indy. Mm-hmm. And then I played, you know, I was on practice squad there. Hopefully, you know, shooting for a, a, um, a job to play. But the whole time, like I said, my heart wasn't in it. But it was like, man, okay, this is what you know, my family thinks I should do. This is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Even though my heart wasn't fully in it. So, you know, I end, I, I finished up in uh, Indy, you know, and then I, I still got calls to come back and try out and play. But I, at that point, I was already checked out, man. Mm-hmm. So I got back on the track in uh, like 16, which I was, you know, I was nowhere near track shape. You know what I mean? So right. I was just, man, trying to find my footing. So now, you know, I'm just I'm just starting to get back. You know, I still get my one of my good friends is a agent now, a certified agent for the league. And he still, you know, tries to get me to come back, man. Mm-hmm. And but you know, like I said, I'm, right now I'm just getting into track form. Right now, I would think, you know, as a uh, a professional guy, right? Because you know, it took so long to shake back from all that, you know, going back from football to track, from football to track. So yeah, and getting hurt and all that, for and sure. getting hurt, yeah, yeah, like surgery and shaking back. So you know, now right, like the time, the first time I actually was able to get like that true football weight off of me and mm. you know slim up right right but it's been a roller coaster man yeah. it's definitely it's been a roller coaster well it's crazy to even so going back to to the olympics in 2012 so you get added you get added last minute right yeah yeah so so you're added last minute and then you go so you're at last minute so that's a surprise you place you you take a silver medal and then how far after that they take it away because your teammate, it's, I mean, you've had kind of a, you had a crazy Olympic experience. 
Yeah, it was crazy because, like I said, I was in Monaco at the time. At a, I was at a, a relay camp. So, you know, they had maybe eight guys. And then, you know, at the end, you know, they decided, hey, Jeff, you know, we're going to go with this guy. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Well, I'll just go back to school, you know, finish up and then, um, you know, try for the next one. So I go back, you know, I'm in between moving the apartments in Gainesville. And then I get the call and like, hey, Jeff, you know, uh, this guy went down and we decided to bring you in. And I was like, oh, okay, that's great. So when do I leave? <laughs> and they like, uh, tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. So I'm, I'm like in the middle of packing, moving. And then they say, I got to fly to London. You got one of those. They, so, have, they have a lot of direct flights from Gainesville to London, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, direct flight. So <laughs> I end up leaving. And then, you know, get there, you know, crazy experience, get the medal. And then, you know, later on, which, you know, I don't have no ill will for Tyson. That's one of Tyson is actually probably one of my favorite sprinters of all time. You know, so, you know, when he got in this situation and the medals were taken away, you know, it wasn't no ill will. It was, you know, it was one of those things, man, where you put your trust in the wrong people sometimes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you still, you know, you can take the medal away, but we know what we did. You so know. how how long did you have the medal for? How how quickly did they take it away? Oh, I think it took some years. They really they come after it years later. They'll they'll physically take the medal back. Yeah, I wasn't gonna give it back. I figured they just take it away, you know, quote unquote, take it away. But I, I they like what, they, actually, they repo they the medal. Take it away. Yeah, yeah, they repo the medal, man. Oh my gosh, was yeah, someone show up? Like, how how does that even work? Like we had the medal. Like for me, I had to mail it to. I had to mail it back. <laughs> To a certain, to a certain place, because at first I'm like, man, there's no way I'm not giving my medal back. Yeah. I said, yeah, they can take it on paper, but they're not physically gonna take the medal. So I had it in a safe and everything. And then you know they wrote this letter out and was saying, okay, if uh, I didn't give it back, it will be consequences on like the USA track and field. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So I was like, nah, I didn't want those issues because I know there was a possibility that I was gonna be back, you know, competing again. Or if I did want to come back, then I didn't want the door to be closed. Right. So, you know, I just, at the end of the day, I sent it back. But I think it was maybe two years after, because that happened then 14, maybe we had to send it back. Oh, wow. So you had it for yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah, we had it for a while. Yeah, we had it Jeez, for a while. That's hard to take it away after that. Yeah, um, I, I, I held it as long as I could, man. <laughs> <laughs> You've had quite a journey. <laughs> yeah, man, it's been a journey, man. It's still going, though, man. Mm. I'm, I'm going to go till the wheels fall off, man. What happens when the wheels fall off? What I mean, what what do you see What do you see next for you after your your uh, your cleats are, are hung up? Oh, I'm not sure, man. I don't know if I want to go into the coaching field or the training field. Like I I have a crazy passion for it. So, you know, possibly, you know, owning my own facility one day, you know, being able to train guys, speed coach, something, you know, mm -hmm. something that that involves, you know, football or track, you know, and then, you know, possibly just making the business out of it, man. But other than that, right now, you know, I don't know. As long as I'm doing something that makes me happy, man, that's for sure. Amen. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for uh, for talking to us and sharing all these stories. Uh, thank you, my man. I appreciate the time. That'll do it for this episode and this season of Gator Tales. If you missed any of our Gator Great series from the last year, we encourage you to scroll back in your feed to hear the stories of the 04s and their back-to-back -back dominance in 06 and 07, the 06 and 08 football national title teams, and more. 
If you've already listened to those, then your work here is done. And we'll be back in August to launch a new season focused on the start of the 2021 football campaign. Until then, I'm Adam Schiff. Thank you so much for your support and please stay safe until we meet again.